Everything F1. Driven by fans, for the fans. And it's lights out and away we go! is still on provisional pole. This time for Stefan and Hamilton have crashed out. It's McLaren and Ricardo that win the Italian Grand Prix. Max Verstappen, for the first time ever, is champion of the world. A rain-soaked Emilia-Romagna Grand Prix threw up a few surprises that the Tifosi probably weren't happy with. This is the Everything F1 podcast. My name's James Tiller, and we're here today to review the Imola Grand Prix. Alongside me from the Everything F1 team today, we do have Sponge. Hi, Sponge. How are you? Hello. All good. Thank you very much. What have you got in your hand there? Tell, tell, tell our fans what you've got in your hand. I'm, I'm designing my own sim racing gear. I'm designing wow. my own sim racing wheel. So watch this space. So it's, we'll, it's have, we'll have pic- pictures of that on the uh, page at some point. Yeah, cool. The finished setup. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> we- We've also got uh, alongside us today, we've got Sean. We haven't, we haven't seen Sean for a few weeks. Hi, Sean. How are you? I'm good, thanks. It's good to be back. Good to be back. What have you been up to? You've been, you moved house. I did move house. Yes, I did move house. And the most important thing to do when I moved house was to plug in my Xbox so I could continue to play the Formula One game because, well, now I have another two week break and I've nothing to do. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good move. <laughs> <laughs> and we've also got Sophia. Hi, Sophia. How are you? I'm doing well, thank you. And yourself? I'm, I'm very good. Thank you very much. Looking forward to dissecting all the events of the weekend at the Emilia Romagna Grand Prix. But before we do that, we are Everything F1. You can find us on all our social media platforms. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. We're also on TikTok. Uh, so please follow us on all platforms uh, at Join EF1 on all of those platforms. You can also find us on our website, which is www.everythingf1.com, where we post articles daily um have a look we have opinion pieces we have uh, factual pieces news you name it we've got it all on our website we would love you to hit subscribe on the podcast streaming service of your choice to get all of our latest podcasts in your earlobes as soon as they drop okay let's talk about the oh no before we go into the talk about the emilia romagna grand prix sorry we do a, a section of our podcast uh, called Penalty Points, which is just basically a way to break the ice as we get into the the podcast itself and kind of test my panellists uh, on their knowledge from the weekend. So let's see uh, who remembers the most from the weekend. I've got three questions uh, and a point to each person uh, or a point to the person that gets the right answer. All you need to do, guys, is shout out your name. You know how it goes. You've, you've been you've been in a couple now anyway. I, I haven't. This is new to me. Oh, this, this is your first time. Well. This is your first time. Okay. This is okay, my first, yeah, one, first yeah. time. Does that mean I've actually got an advantage for the first time in my life on something? <laughs> Amazing. Right, I'm ready. Shout, shout your name out if you, if you know the answer to the question. Oh, um, damn it. What's my name? And then... <laughs> Uh, and then we give you a point if you if you get right, and then I'm going to total them up over the season, and whoever gets the most points in total over the season uh, will get a prize from me. 
Now, I've got a slight advantage because I do have some guests on sometimes. And if the guests get it right, they score a point for me. And if I'm the winner at the end of the season, uh, having accumulated all the guests points, it means I don't have to put my hand in my pocket. So I'm hoping some really good, clever guests uh, to come and help I'm, I'm me. I'm smelling some shenanigans here, but <laughs> let, let's give it a go. We will. Well, anyway, so first question. What was activated too late in a damp immolation? DRS. <laughs> well, it's... DRS was shouted first instead of sponge. Um, Listen, I'm... I changed my name to DRS, all right? Don't sue me. <laughs> I'm going to give you the point, Sponge. I'll give you the point. Oh, DRS thanks. was indeed activated. But he'd given you the answer at that point. He'd given you the answer at that point. <laughs> What's the point? Oh, <laughs> I don't like this game. This is, no, this is actually really good. This is, this is just like the FIA. This is amazing. Let's just so make the rules sh- up as we go along. Just, Brilliant. Just call me Michael are we shouting our names or not? <laughs> Question number two. What team had... Two people in the points for the first time this season. Sean, Aston Martin. Sean, yes, Aston Martin is the correct answer uh, with Sebastian Vettel and Lance Stroll both in the top 10 scoring points for the first time this year. Shock horror. And my last question of the day. Who... On you... <laughs> Gone in. Can you finish the question, please? <laughs> <laughs> I'll start. It's not mastermind. Um, I'm going to say it again. <laughs> Who apologised and said the car is not Sponge. worthy of a world champion? Oh, Sponge was first again. Sponge was first again. Toto. Toto Wolf is indeed the person who apologised, saying that W13 was not worthy of a world champion. So two points to Sponge, one point to Sean. And unfortunately, Sophia, this week... Not right. It's not right. <laughs> we need to sort out some buzzers. Let's, let's sort some I'd buzzers out. I'd like an official... Out. I, I'd like to see the stewards over this one. <laughs> okay, well, let, let's move on to the, uh, let's move away from the, uh, the controversial questions <laughs> round uh, and move into the hopefully non-controversial race review from the weekend. Support for the Everything Everyone podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Their products are precision-engineered tools for your family jewels, which is Manscaped's performance package, the ultimate men's hygiene bundle. Join over 4 million men worldwide who have trusted Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code EF1 at manscaped.com. If my maths is correct, I think that's about 8 million balls, give or take a few, obviously. I've got to say, I've never really been massively into grooming uh, down there because I had a few incidents when I was younger of nicks and, and whatnot. So I didn't really use any trimmers down there. I tend to use a pair of scissors every now and again just for a tidy up. A bit like topiary, I guess. Um, but the Performance Package 4.0 has arrived and it looks like an absolute game changer. I've got to be honest with you. Now, as I say, it's given me the confidence. I've given it a go. Uh, and so far... All seems pretty good. Uh, I didn't give it a full once over. Under first use, I've got to say, there's no issues down there. Um, I've certainly not noticed any cuts, any nicks. Um, so it so far, it does exactly what it says on the tin. Uh, the, the package is brilliant. Um, you've got everything in there. You've got the obviously the lawnmower 4.0, which is their trimmer. Um, you've got the weed whacker ear and nose hair trimmer. So that's one of those things that you kind of shove up there and kind of wiggle it around your nose or in your ears. Perfect for 
those gentlemen that are growing hairs in those places, which is <laughs> unfortunately me. You've got the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant. I think that tells you what exactly what it is on the tin. Uh, crop Reviver Toner uh, and Performance Boxer Shorts as well. You also get a travel bag to hold it all in. And the good thing about it as well, they also say it's a fully waterproof trimmer. So you can actually use that in the shower as well. So if you want to keep your bathroom clean, you can by all means do that. We say it's time to take care of yourself. Go to manscaped.com and get 20% off plus free shipping with the code EF1. So get 20% off and free shipping with the code EF1 at manscaped.com. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. Uh, first of all, Max Verstappen was the winner uh, in, at Imola uh, in front of the Tifosi, which is going to have disappointed thousands and thousands and thousands of people who were live there in the stands. Let's go to Sean first. Uh, how, how must those Tifosi be uh, feeling after, after the weekend that Ferrari had? Ooh, uh, Ferrari have had, uh, Tifosi have had a bad couple of years of being Tifosi. Mm-hmm. And somehow this will have been worse than the past <laughs> four years combined mm-hmm. uh, to have been all but guaranteed what should have been a pretty easy win at home, a pretty easy one too at home, really. Let's be honest, they have the car for it. Yeah. Um, and other than their tires kind of munching themselves in the sprint, Charles Leclerc proved that he does have the pace to do it. And then they just had... Well, it was just terrible luck from Carlos Sainz. I feel so, so bad for him mm. because there was nothing. He or Daniel, let's be perfectly fair, it was slippy. They both left each other more than enough room. It was just a terrible bit of luck. There was a bit of slide, but just awful. It, it had to happen to, to Carlos, didn't it? It's just the way life's going for him at the moment. But then the clerk, that that was just, that that was that was an I am stupider moment than he's had, isn't it? <laughs> He, he didn't that, say that, it this time, but uh, I'm sure he was thinking it. I'm I'm sure every one of the what hundred thousand people in around the grandstands of Imola were thinking it. <laughs> and uh, I'm sure no, they not, were thinking not, harsher words than just stupid. <laughs> oh yeah, my, my my girlfriend's a pretty big Ferrari and Charles Leclerc fan. And she was uh, in not the best mood after that one. Oh. Yeah. But congratulations to Max Verstappen. Let, let, let's not take it away Abs- from him. It was a superb. You know, dominant weekend from him, where he he got a grand, he got the Grand Slam, didn't he? You know, he, he got, got the Grand Slam, the, yeah, his second Grand Slam of his career. So very, very impressive. An amazing performance for him. Uh, I said it in the predictions, and I said it last week. So you know, I, I I'm pretty pretty good at this prediction, Mark. Is that why you're wearing orange today? It, this is actually uh, kind of an off red. It's probably been washed far too many times. This t-shirt, <laughs> uh, Sponge. What were your takeaways from? Uh, from from Max Verstappen's win at the weekend, I know you're not the, you're not his biggest fan, so it's probably good to come to you. Um, but you've oh, got to appreciate I've, I've his, got, his performance. I've got no bad words to say about him this season. To be honest with you, he's been racing pretty well, pretty fair. Can't fault him. Um, and that doesn't stick in your some throat. of that is to kind of like try and prove everybody wrong that you know that he, he used to bump into Hamilton all the time. But he's he's been wheel to wheel with plenty of people, and nothing's happened this season. So. I've always said don't like him because of the way that he was, but I'm fair. If he does well, I will tell. I will say that he does well, mm-hmm. and I don't think you can fault in this season. Um, I do. I do think from that result on Sunday, I kind of get the impression that Ferrari aren't quite as far ahead or as far forward as qualifying and practices might suggest they are. To be honest, I think Red Bull have got a lot stronger 
um, race pace. Um, mm-hmm. You know, throughout throughout the race, and I, I, I mean, Max proved that he was he was out in front, wasn't he? And I think that's probably the reason why Charles messed up because he was he was having to push so hard, you know, to to even keep up with Sergio at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. And I think he just you know he, he just got that bit not necessarily desperate, but I just think he just he pushed it a little bit too much. You know, he was going he was going kind of narrow and narrow on that um, the chicane every lap pushed it a little bit too much ended up in the wall or in the tire tire wall um so yeah i do i do think i mean he's been I, i've got to say I, I would say max has been faultless so far obviously the cars let him down a couple of times but you know you you can't fault him at all really mm. you know he's been he's been superb and he's living up to his you know world championship so I think it's going to be difficult for Ferrari, to be honest with you. If, if Red Bull have sorted out their unreliability, if they've sorted all of that out, then I think quite ominous, to be honest. I think I think they might end up running away with it. Obviously, time will tell. Um, but yeah, I think yeah, he, he did well this weekend. He did. He did yeah, a faultless performance, as you say. The won the sprint. Uh, he, he lost his position uh, obviously at the start uh, of the sprint, but then gained it further down uh, towards the end of the, uh, the the laps as they were running down, and he his tyres were. Obviously, a, a little bit stronger than uh, than what Charles Leclerc had. Sophia, let's talk to you. What 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 are your takeaways from the top two teams? So we'll we'll, we'll say uh, Ferrari and, and Red Bull. Um, obviously, you can talk a bit more about Sergio Perez if you like. I was literally about to say that because obviously we've been talking about Max, but with Sergio coming second, a Red Bull one two first time since. Uh, 2016, I think it was. Malaysia 2016, yeah. Yeah, so that's great. And then also going back with the Grand Slams as well, a key interesting fact is this is the second time, well, last time we've had two consecutive Grand Slams was in 1978, I believe. Um, The fact that Charles got the Grand Slam last race and Max got um, the Grand Slam this race as well. It's quite an interesting feat given that there hasn't been that many Grand Slams, like different driver Grand Slams to begin with. And we've already had two within the first four or five races. It's great. That's and it shows how <laughs> great the new regulations are and how there is opportunities for other teams to have some improvements as well. Um but overall, it was a good race. I mean, I liked the weather. I liked how it was always keeping us on our toes. Mm. Um, I watched the F2 and F3 races as well. So watching that as a prelim to see if what's going to happen in the F1 was quite an interesting one, especially on a qualifying day um, on the Friday because nobody knew how bad it was going to be. And the rain just kept on coming and going. N- nobody knew what to do for the tire situation. So it was definitely a great weekend. I barely left my apartment <laughs> i was watching it from start to finish uh the whole weekend nice but it's, it was a very entertaining weekend and um, i felt there were parts of the race that were probably a bit boring and i think even the highlights package for sky they they cut from lap 30 to lap 50 um completely out because hardly <laughs> so anything didn't have to show lewis stuck behind an alpha tarry again <laughs> oh, for the 40th uh, time <laughs> come on there sean you want to talk about mercedes can you can touch on george's great performance uh, and of course you can touch on the seven-time world champion lewis hamilton fingering in 14th if you like this weekend reminded me of why i love nico rosberg <laughs> <laughs> he didn't tell a single lie in his post-race commentary with sky did he he um he made a lot of good points he uh he said that toto was very clearly 
just trying to massage Lewis's ego by saying this car is undrivable when yes, it's difficult and yes, it's not a championship winning car, but it is by no means undrivable. Uh, George Russell's worst performance of the year so far has been fifth. Doesn't strike me as undrivable. Something that this just kind of highlights to me is that Lewis's comments from not that long ago, like a couple of weeks ago, saying for like the fifth time in, in the, like the last year, the worst car I've ever driven was the 2009 McLaren. Yeah, that car that he won two races and scored two podi- five podiums in, that's the worst car he's ever driven. George Russell lumbered around to the back without a single point for three years. <laughs> Lewis Hamilton has no concept of a bad car. And I think that's why he's struggling this year. And I think it's a huge shock to himself his ability, his ego, the team, Total Wolf, and George Russell sitting there going, this is the best car I have ever driven by a country <laughs> mile. He's fi- he is breezing through it. Yes, it's a difficult car to drive. And he, George even said on the radio at the end of the race, you know, that was a tough one. And it was a tough one. He still finished fourth, didn't he? <laughs> he, he was on for a, a fifth on pace mm. and he kind of inherited fourth. So uh, the, that was it's a good weekend for George. It's a bad weekend. for It, it just... Some of the things, it, it one, it's a bad weekend for every for like Lewis Hamilton, but it's just a bad weekend for Mercedes. Just in terms of like the visibility of it, the visuals of it, it just it looked bad. It looked, it sounded even worse. Toto coming on the radio going, "I'm sorry, we gave you this. Undri- this is undrivable. I'm really sorry." That just sounds like you're pandering to a child. I mean, come on. Either say something going, you know, good job. We know that like that was a tough race. We'll debrief. But to go on the radio and go, this is undrivable. That was a bit, they, you know, talk about that in the debrief. Don't say that in the radio and the whole world can hear you. Maybe it was, like you say, a, a public thing to kind of apologise, not not just to Hamilton, but to the whole kind of world of Mercedes fans out there as well. Yeah, but it, again, why? The other car is scoring a lot of points. <laughs> up, up until about this weekend, George Russell was second in the championship. I feel so sorry for George, like, to hear that as well. And all the media, like, he's um, come back about saying about back problems now and because of how bad the, the car bouncing. is. But yeah. he's still doing well. Again, he mm-hmm. is in top five for the last races. Again, this this kind of, this reminds me of, I mean, think back of how many times have we seen the champion be un- unseated by the technically... Rookie who's used to a bad car, Daniel Ricardo and Sebastian Vettel springs mm. immediately to mind. So Seb's used to having the best car in Formula One for four years. All of a sudden, he doesn't have that. And Seb never had a bad car before that 2014 year. Even the Tara Rosso he had was a very good car. Mm-hmm. Um, Danny Ricardo had a bloody HRT. <laughs> <Do you know? laughs> um, and he came in and he ran away with it. Leclerc did the same thing to Vettel again in Ferrari. Um, it's 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 constant, and now Norris is doing. Or sorry, uh, Russell is doing it to Lewis, and I kind of predicted after that that first race that uh, you know this car is tough to drive. Lewis has no experience with this whatsoever. Even his GP two cars were somehow the best car in a spec series, <laughs> so he has never ever had a bad car. Even the twenty thirteen Mercedes was a good car. <laughs> he has never not won a race. This might actually be the first year of his career that he doesn't win a race. Uh, it's, it's, it's a long time, yeah. I think. It is, I think. There's he, a long I think way there's, to go, but there's, 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 there's a way that he will he will get one at least. Uh, there's a long way in, to go. In my opinion, I, I think that historically this will be the worst car he's ever driven, but he will yeah. never say that. 
<laughs> he he will take any opportunity to rag on that on Iron McLaren. <laughs> okay, I'm done ragging on Mercedes now. <laughs> well, let, let's let, let's stick with George because he did have some really great battles with an ex Mercedes driver. We'll go to Sponge for this one. He had a he had a great great battle with with Valtteri Bottas throughout the race. You know, uh, he, Bottas was putting lots of pressure on George, and uh, he managed to stay in front. Did anybody else hold their breath? when they were going into the first corner every single lap. Yes. Listen, I I thought there was some great racing all the way through. Uh, I think a lot of people thought it was quite a dull race, but I I loved it. I thought, you know, I've I've very often said defending is as good a part, or if not better, to watch than overtaking. And I think George and Valtteri proved that. George, George was amazing. He was amazing. Mm. He didn't give him. I mean, obviously, it's it's a lot easier on him, isn't it? It's a quite a narrow track. Um, they haven't got that many, you know, long long enough straights really to do a lot. Um, but yeah, I've, I mean, two two very fair, very professional drivers, um, both going, you know, wheel to wheel really, and it was brilliant. I really enjoyed watching it. Yeah, it was good. It, I, I say, I, I think you're probably alluding to one of, one of the conversations I said afterwards. Uh, you know, there were a few exciting parts interspersed with a few boring bits. I think that's, I think that's fair though. You know, I, yeah, yeah. I, I think yeah. it's fair. Let's, let's talk about another team then. Uh, Sophia, whose performance do you want to talk about? Well, let's go P3, Lando Norris. Hey! Podium. Yes. Consecutive as well, because obviously he <laughs> got P3 last year as well at Imola. Um, but even the discrepancy, McLaren, obviously with Daniel Ricciardo, with the accident first lap, we knew he would topple down <laughs> the grid very easily. Uh-huh. But some of the strategies and some of the calls were a little bit why. So the amount of pit stops that he had, I think he had three to four, mm. which most teams only had the one. Or two. It's been a couple of days. I've been asleep. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. And then even the difference as well. I think, like, by the time he ended, it was like a 25 second difference from whoever was in P18. Um, not was it P18? Whoever was above him. Like, that was quite a big difference. And he didn't have that much of a gap to begin with, but it was just bad strategies with the tires. Mm. Um, and bless him, but he's just not having a great season so far like Lewis, but in my opinion, a bit worse than Lewis because at least Lewis has gotten, well, Daniel's gotten points as well, but not as consistent in the top 10 mm. <laughs> as Daniel Ricciardo has been. I do think just on the strategy, uh, you, you, it was a bit weird. I think you're right there because I was watching that. Why is he pitting again? Uh, they did explain that, that he was stuck in that uh, DRS train. He had come up to the back of Alban, Gasly, mm-hmm. Hamilton, DRS train. And if Al- if Hamilton wasn't able to pass, Danny wasn't going to be able to pass him either. So they took a gamble to pit. They probably should have gone on softs. Surely they had a few softs left over from the weekend. Not hards. I think hards was just a mistake. <laughs> uh, you never go on hards trying to gain time. But they did pit him into just all the space in the world. But then I think a combination of the hards just not heating up properly on an extremely cold track. I think it was only like 13 degrees, a wet to dry, cold track. The hards are never going to work there. So that strategy call was really weird. The idea of the pit stop was a good one to like pit and catch back up to them because if they all have to pit again or if there's another safety car, he'll jump them all. 
but yeah, it just didn't work. And I think he had some damage, but yeah, you're right. The the the, the gulf between it, even if if he hadn't crashed with uh, Sainz, I don't think he'd have been anywhere near a podium or even points. To be fair, and and mm. kind of, I think he would kind of drop down very easily after. He had a good start, but yeah, I, I think I think he he dropped down in, in the stars as well. I think he was in P seven. I think by that first turn or something like that, like just completely dropped down and. Mm. I don't know. Uh, he's just not having a good season. <laughs> I guess he's only doing well when it's his home race. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> part of me does wonder whether they kind of sacrificed him and just said, "Look, let's go and collect a bit of data." 100%. We're not. We're not going to. The first get stop anywhere. to the to the dries, they definitely yeah. did. Yeah. Yeah. So, because like, I kind of set the tone of all the other teams changing yeah. over. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's, I think it was interesting. Just like like you've already said, the amount of pit stops that he had, there was no reason or explanation really for him so I, I just got kind of got the impression that they put everything into getting Lando over the line mm. and just said like let's get let's get what data we can from from Danny and obviously you know there will be think about it you know there will be situations later on in the year where they'll be in a, a position whereby they, they will have whole tracks I mean Monaco will be you know there's a good chance that you know if Monaco is wet then that's going to be cold Maybe that was just data collection. How did the hards perform on a cold track compared to you know the the other tyres as well? So I do think a lot of it was down to to data collection. Um, I think he just got obviously he I say unlucky. I agree with what Sean said earlier in the pod. I think it was unlucky on that first corner. Um, you know, there's a lot of blame being put to to Danny, which ultimately yes, it is him to blame. But I just think. They both got very unlucky. That that curb spat him out probably a little bit more than he was expecting to. Um, once once that happens, he's a bit of a passenger, isn't he? So it was the most unimpressive crash I've ever seen. <laughs> it was so slow. It was in such slow motion. The fact that Science got beached after it was, I think, the most unlucky part because it was such a slow and boring crash. Not that I want exciting crashes and people get hurt, but it wasn't. Re- it wasn't really a crash, was it? It was two lads mm. on a merry-go-round. It was though, because it was like it was like Danny Rick going into the side of Carlos. It was like I'm Ooh. going to crash into you, and then Valtteri came up. He was like, "I'm here to help, boys." <laughs> <laughs> um, and one of one of the points I made about the the cold crash at the start is it kind of it kind of ruined what would have been a good first few laps because the water was mm. still kind of standing on the on the on the track itself. So had we have had you know a clean couple of corners at the start, and and had they been racing for the for the first few laps uh, and not behind a safety car, they would have had to be clearing the track and kind of dodging this water and racing rather than sitting behind a safety car and clearing the track and drying it up for for the for later on in the race after the safety car. Because, you know, th- those first four laps could have been really adventurous at other parts of the track and for other, <laughs> other teams and drivers. But unfortunately, because we had the safety car and after that four uh, laps behind the safety car, they had dried a line um, and, and it was it was quite easy for them to kind of stay on the track after that. Do you think there's a call for, because Imola's going to be on the calendar for a couple more years, which is great, that there's a call maybe to widen that first chicane because it is, even with these technically slightly, they look a bit narrower Formula One cars, there is just not enough space mm. for two cars to go through what is the only overtaking spot in the only DRS zone. 
Like they did, they did it in Australia with the intention of widening the DRS zones and overtaking zones, and it sort of worked. I think. Do, do you think there's a, a call for that to happen for next year? Just to, even like an extra five meters on the apexes of of each of those those turns. They need they need to do something. They do need to do something because it. Well, like like we said, we we've had a good race weekend. We've enjoyed the race weekend, but there could have been some more overtakes. And to promote those overtakes, we need widening somewhere on that track. Um, we don't want to take it too much away from what it what it is, you know, this hor- historical kind of Imola Grand Prix. But it, it, it does need something, you know. All track, yeah. all tra- all tracks are kind of trying to uh, accommodate new Formula One cars. There's no reason why Imola shouldn't be one of those tracks too. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, from the lows of McLaren, uh, obviously we go back, we go to the highs of Lando Norris coming around third, as, as Sophia did mention uh, at the start. It, it was fantastic to see as a not so secret McLaren fan, uh, and and the whole podcast, you know, we're all not so secret McLaren fans. It was it was great to see um, him on the podcast, uh, on the podcast, him on the podium. <laughs> It's we, a, we I knew it was help. a POD word. <laughs> Him on a podium. I haven't got a surprise guest coming up. <laughs> <laughs> and here he is, Lando Norris, everybody. No, I can't even do his voice. But um, yeah, it was great to see him on the podium. Really, I really enjoyed that. You know, obviously he, inher- he inherited it somehow because of Charles Leclerc's uh, poor form um, towards the end of the race. But, you know, he absolutely deserved it. He or he was there, there or thereabouts all weekend, putting himself in the right positions. Uh, and yeah, absolutely. I, again, I called... I'll just put this here. In the last pod, I called Lando, a Lando Norris podium. Um, so I was right again. I told you. Did you put a bet on it? Uh, only with you as a figurative bet, not a fact. No, then, then, then your prediction skills are being used incorrectly, my friend. I know, I know. I, sh- I should put a Bitcoin on it or something, shouldn't I? Yeah. yeah. I just don't have a big coin. Anyway, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, what other teams do we need to talk about? Uh, we'll go to uh, Sean again. Uh, who should we speak about? Should we talk, uh, talk about Alpha Tauri? Yeah, I was going to say Alpha Romeo. Oh, but, uh, do Alpha Romeo. Do Alpha yeah, Romeo. let's have Alpha Romeo. Um, Bottas in eighth. Yeah, I think Sponge touched on earlier. We all maybe held our breath when he and George Russell tried to share the same spot of track again. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, good good race for, for Bottas. He's, he's having a good season. I, I If you've listened back to the, the podcast after preseason testing, I was a little bit critical of the Alfa Romeo team. Mm. I may have said the car is beautiful, but they have two pretty poor drivers who can't overtake. Um, <laughs> Joe has not especially impressed me yet. He has a point. Which you know, the point in your, de- in your debut season—that's that's not too bad. But uh, debut race, Bottas, debut race. Sorry, yeah, as well. Um, so that that that's not too bad. Be, you know, he is still sat 16th in the championship at the moment, and where did he finish? He finished 15th, which is a big gap to Bottas, who finished fifth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's a big gap. Uh, but no, Valtteri's having a very very good season. I'm extremely impressed with him. And just every time he comes on the, the 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 screen, whether it's in the car or in interviews or anything like that, he just looks so happy, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. He looks so calm. He looks so at peace, being like the out now team lead, where now he's having everything his way. And the fact that he is, you know, beating the Mercedes along the way, it's just it, it's 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 great. Not that it's great to see. You know, I don't want to see any team do badly, but it's it's it's. I'm happy for him. Yeah. Uh, because this could have been a total wet blanket of a season for him. And it started out that way, but they weren't even testing. And uh, no, it's good. Alpha has done a good job with the car. It seems to work in, in almost any scenario. It works in the rain. It works on high-speed tracks. It works on tight, twisty tracks. 
Um, it's it's a pretty good balance. It doesn't porpoise that much, which I think is a huge factor in why they're doing quite so well. Is that they don't ever have to compromise the setup of the car, mm. um, like some others do. They they neither have to set up the car nor do they have to risk back injuries to their drivers to get some speed out of it. So uh, yeah, good oh, overall an okay weekend for 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 Alpha. Valtteri Bottas in fifth is is a really really good result. Okay, I'm going to go to you, Sponge, for Alpha Tauri then. Uh, can you summarise their weekend? They have a lovely livery. <laughs> <laughs> it's my favourite livery on the grid. That's, can, that's... can you not remember what much about their no, uh, race no, 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 no. I think I've I've been waxing lyrical about Gasly, haven't I? I thought he did an absolutely superb job. Again, I I prefer to watch people defending properly mm-hmm. and you know keeping quick cars behind properly. Like you know not not doing it like idiots, but I think Gasly was textbook. When you've got somebody like Lewis Hamilton behind you, you know, literally within half a second of you for 20 laps, was it, or something like that? Yeah. You know, and he, he kept him behind. He did not put a foot wrong. He didn't plus, make actually. a mistake. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, yeah, exactly. He didn't put a foot wrong. And, you know, things like that, I I honestly think should be going down as like, you know, who's the driver of the day, Pierre Gasly. I know he, I know he didn't finish high up, but... He did an amazing job. No, his, his teammate did finish higher uh, in, in seventh. So, yeah, we've got to mention it. Yuki Tsunoda yeah. had a, a fairly decent point scoring weekend, uh, taking six points home. Good overtakes as well on the corners, mm. some good laps and good defending as well. He was probably one of my drivers of the day, personally, because mm. it was consistent, Same, similar to Gasly as well, could not do anything wrong, but was kind of overshadowed because of the Mercedes, the issues with the Ferraris, and then obviously the Red Bulls. Like a lot of drivers are starting to get overshadowed by these big front runners now, and we're only five races in, which is a bit sad. There's a long season to go. They've got, they've got mm. every every opportunity to come good or whatever they say. Let's move on to Aston Martin. Uh, Sophia, go on, Aston Martin. You you must be happy to see Aston Martin now scoring points after, uh, you know, for the first few races, not even scoring any any points at all uh, for the team. Yeah, because I mean, I made I made that comment on last week's podcast about how they were the only team without, and unfortunately, my predictions were not correct. I had it reversed, and <laughs> I said it was going to be two Hasses and one Aston Martin, and no. it was <laughs> the other way around. Um, but no, Aston Martin like both did quite well. It, it was a bit unmemorable for me personally. I don't remember any kind of defendings or overtaking from either Stroll or Vettel. It was just a consistent keeping their nose down kind of race, which is sometimes what drivers need to do well. Um, don't need to pull out flashy moves, flashy overtakes or defense. So mm. consistent. And we hope maybe that will be something going forward to get at least a Aston Martin in each race in the points, if not both. Yeah, well, they've broken their their, their 2022 duck now. Uh, so we might see more... Uh, point scoring opportunities it may have been though due to obviously the the, the slightly damp track uh, obviously that, that might have benefited them because i don't know that that car is necessarily the fastest even still uh sean can you comment on aston martin no, not really. No. <laughs> it's not a nice livery. I think, though, uh, Sophia absolutely hit the nail on the head there. Sometimes the drivers just need a solid 
boring, uneventful weekend. And that's exactly what Aston got. Seb got in a couple of battles, um, but he kept his nose clean. I will say, I just wanted to say, Yuki Sonoda, I think that's the best race in Formula 1. His overtake on Seb was absolutely brilliant. Um, but uh, yeah, they, they, they both they both did their job well. Aston just needed points. They were plumbed out last with zero points. And now, what, we're a few races in and we have all 10 teams have scored. That's the first, that's the earliest we've had that in ooh, four or five or six years, I think. Because um, even last year, Williams were pretty late to the party, so that, that that's that that's good for 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 Aston. Will they kick on from here? Yeah, probably. To be perfectly honest, uh, Miami might be a bit tough for them, but then you know, come Barcelona, they're all going to have heaps of upgrades. Will their upgrades be better than others? Yes, probably. Um, I, I think it's reasonable to expect that their upgrades might at least rival the likes of AlphaTauri and Haas, um, who I think are their main kind of challengers for this season. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, just, it's, just, it's an okay weekend for, for Aston. You can't really say anything wrong about either of them. Neither of them put a foot wrong. And like Sophia said, I think the two of them, just for their confidence and for the whole team's morale, they just needed some points and they got it which is exactly what they needed and good points actually Seb finishing eight is a good result for that team in that car absolutely yeah it is um, it's your turn then uh, Sponge to talk about Haas what the Haas are you going to say about Haas um, I think it was probably Mick's Mick's favourite race ever getting past uh, Seb it was like <laughs> there, there was there was a little bit of uh, emotional music playing in the background, wasn't there? You could tell that FOM were like, yeah, let's play something in the background here, just like <laughs> on the replay. Yeah, you know that, that was a nice little moment, wasn't it? The uh, what they call it, the, the tutor and the the pupil kind of thing. The master and the apprentice. That's the one. That's the one. Um, yeah, that was that was nice. Um, obviously, he got a little bit sideways didn't he at the start ruined Fernando's race but I think I think as with a lot of teams they're kind of finding it that they're getting you know they're getting good results at some tracks and lot you know not so good results at other tracks but everybody's still finding the way aren't they at the end of the day still mm-hmm. very early in these new new cars so K-Mag came ninth uh, so he's yeah, still absolutely. again scoring yeah. points for the team yeah he's doing a great job um, after coming back in in such short notice you know obviously he hasn't had time he hasn't had a lot of time to to get back in but he's kind of just stepped in hasn't he as if he's never been away so yeah fair play to him um but yeah i think they've 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 proved haven't they already that the decision to kind of abandon last season has already been proven the correct way to go really for for them yeah, so good on them. Yeah, drive to survive will be a better place this season. <laughs> more, more, more Steiner boats. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> My boat. It'll be a yacht this year because they'll they'll have scored enough points to purchase a different type of boat. Um, Sophia, you've got Alpine or you've got uh, Williams to choose from, I believe. Well, let's go Alpine to talk about that side pod being taken Ooh. off. <laughs> wow. Yeah, go for it. Oh my god watching it you couldn't like you could tell that there was something wrong and then when they actually panned the camera there was no side part it was like completely (laughs) taken off and then the replay of how it even happened it didn't look like it was that bad of a hit no i know yeah and it just easy just kind of went off and that could be maybe the way it's designed so instead of having bits and pieces break off continuously it just wipes off the whole thing Mm -hmm. that could have been the case but I do not want to see the bill for that damage, mm. <laughs> especially with the cost caps this year. Um, 
But and, yeah. and even Alonso was like, uh, is there much damage? And they were like, uh, yeah, you yeah. really need to retire <laughs> this car. <laughs> Could not it, tell it at must, all. It must have just hit the, hit the sweet spot and just completely made it crumble. That's that's the only thing I can I can think of. It, it, it was... You can just imagine the, the meeting at the start of the year, though, with the, the Alpine designers. It's like, what are we going to make the side pods out of this year? Bread. That's what we're going to make them out of? We're going to make them out of bread. Pan. <laughs> They'd say pan, wouldn't they? Because they're French. Yeah, <laughs> but that, yeah that, that come flying off at a rate and nuts didn't it that was yeah. that was fun to watch how about esteban ocon oh i mean <laughs> anonymous again yeah again i've been asleep since then it's been a couple of days um <laughs> he was 14th just behind uh lewis hamilton yeah i don't know i mean there was he was part of the drs train as well um if i remember correctly as well mm. it was just kind of bunched up so again try to have a clean drive hope for no issues no side pod issues <laughs> like alonzo mm. um but going back as well with the side pod we can go back to how it was in testing how alcon had the same problems as well with his side pod is this the same kind of issue or is this something new and what's going to happen in miami is there going to be any new changes to the side pod design or are they going to stick to what they know and maybe change the shape the material is it going to be less carbon painting as well? Because trying to cut down the weight, we'll see in Miami. We shall see. Uh, so that leaves Williams down to Sean McKenzie Kennedy. What are you yes. going to say about those? Uh, Alex Albon was my unsung driver of the day, driver of the weekend. Ooh. Actually, Ooh. I'm going to put that up there. Let's not forget he didn't really do qualifying because his brakes exploded. <laughs> yeah, really, really dramatically yeah. in the exact same way that Nicholas TV did in Bahrain. That's a bit worrying. Mm. Um, so that was a terrible start for 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 Albon, and he started obviously the sprint at the back of the grid, um, made it up to 18th in the sprint, and then made it to 11th in the race. Mm-hmm. I actually don't really know how. Well, I don't really remember how. All of a sudden, he's just there, um, and then <laughs> defended 11th place from Gasly and Hamilton for the whole race without even any DRS for himself. I thought I think that. So what you're saying, you know, we like seeing drivers defend well and properly and just do their bit. I, I think I think Albon had an absolutely brilliant race. I was extremely impressed with him. I think it was the the, the chicane at the top of the hill. Whatever way he was positioning the car to accelerate out of that, he was gaining himself half a second to a second mm-hmm. over Gasly. Absolutely every single lap, like clockwork. It was there. Gasly was right up behind him coming up there. And it's just his exit out of that corner. Every single time he pulled away down into the last last corner and then kept himself safe from DRS every single lap for the whole time. It was absolutely brilliant. It was it was brilliant to watch. He kept Gasly behind him, who in turn kept Hamilton behind him. I thought it was it, it, it was really, really good. It was it was great driving. I'm really impressed with with uh with Albin. The Tifi, on the other hand. Uh, just he he's kind of where the where the Williams is, and how many times have we said that over the past few years? The other driver is maybe outperforming the car a bit, and Latifi just sort of isn't. And there's a couple of news articles that I'm sure we'll touch on about potential swap changes and seat changes of other drivers. But like, was it Albin said? You know, one or two more tenths and they'd be scoring points regularly. I think he's right, kind of. I think one or two more tenths in that car, and he'll be scoring points regularly. Um, I just don't think let's see if it would just be spinning off quicker. Yeah, kind of. I think I think I think that this season's only been a couple of races. I think this has been a bad start to possibly the end of Latifi's Formula One career because he had kind of the benefit of the doubt of the terrible Williams and the generational talent of George Russell in the other car. 
doesn't really have that. Alvin's a good driver, but he is by no means a, a George Russell or a Charles Leclerc or a Max Verstappen. No offense, Alex, but uh, we want to get him on the pod at some point. So let's not insult him too bad. I've just spent the last two minutes picking him up. <laughs> I know, yeah, yeah, you're picking, <laughs> Alex. You had a great race, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think um, yeah, it was a great race for Alex. A uh, little bit disappointed that he didn't kind of squeak past, squeak up the stroll and pass pass him but stroll kind of left him for dead at one point uh but still even still really good race for, for alex album i see a good few points uh for him this season okay and what do we think about the sprint race overall was it better this this year is it good that we've now attributed pole position to the person that gets the fastest lap on friday uh and what, what are your general feelings uh about the sprint and how it enhanced or didn't enhance our weekend uh sponge first uh kind of a little one minute decision from you? Uh, I don't think it was bad. Um, I'm kind of keeping. Um, I'm not. I'm not trying to kind of make too many judgments on it because it was a wet dry race. You mm-hmm. know, it was a very very tight circuit. Probably not the best to test a, a sprint on, but I don't think it was. I don't think it was a bad sprint. I thought it was quite quite enjoyable. Obviously, you had Charles out in front, then his his tires went off so created a bit of excitement didn't it so mm-hmm. yeah i think probably a eight out of ten nice that's a fairly good score sophia what would you say about the uh the sprint this weekend and the format overall? um i liked it because it had an extra race an extra excitement to it also posed a bit more time to test the cars and obviously with the new regs it's still kind of a bit of uncertainty so to have extra kind of race style practice kind of helped with mm-hmm. the sprint again i'm not this is the fourth time we've done it out of the six in the last well cleaning last season and this season i i like it because it gives me extra things to watch but i don't really have a little opinion I, to be fair though the track determination from the sprint race results i don't think that's kind of fair because i feel like it should have been whoever qualified first should start the Sunday race first because there could be no follow through their own in the sprint race mm. and have to start at the back of the grid even though they did a, an amazing job in the qualifying that that's the only kind of a real strong opinion I have about the sprint race go on and give it give it a score out of 10 like like sponge did oh I would say 6.5 Six points. Trust a statistician to use 0. 0.5. Should <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, so go over to you, Sean. What, what were your thoughts on the uh, on the sprint race and the format and everything that involved in the, in the weekend? So I thought this was comfortably the best sprint race we've had. I thought the three last year were, other than Fernando Alonso and Silverstone, were very boring um, and added absolutely nothing to the weekends other than, you know, people who are at the track got more action and got more money we got more value out of the money mm-hmm. uh, I have no problem with that side of it I have no problem with the race on, on Saturday at all but I, I, I agree with Sophia I think there's still that dis- I mean they've had to go out of the way to explain that if you qualify on pole then you have pole position yeah, but you don't though it just happened that Max did but he couldn't he might not have um, he qualifies on pole and doesn't start the race on pole that it doesn't sit right with me I think it's so strange and they've gone out of their way to say yes the pole position award goes to qualifying not the sprint but it still might have absolutely no bearing on Sunday mm. uh, so I think you know the, the, the changes they made are a step in the right direction I think points down to eighth place is a very good step it just it kind of added a bit more further down um, having it just for the top three I thought was just elitist because it's only ever the same top three in everybody race last year yeah. um, 
So I think that's a good change. But really, I think what they need to do if they're going to commit to this is do what F2 do. Have qualifying on Friday. Qualifying on Friday sets the grid for Sunday. Qualifies on Paul. The shadows look right behind him. Flip the top 10 on Saturday. Give us something different. F2 do that. And it's phenomenally good fun. The sprint races in F2 are brilliant. I kind of miss that there's not two anymore. Um, but you qualify on, Saturday, on Friday. That sets your grid place for the race. And the top 10 are flipped. So what we would have had this weekend, fascinatingly, would have been Carlos Sainz on pole. Mm-hmm. Great in- interest for him. He could have won a race at last. And that would have... Imagine what that would have done for his confidence. if he And it was only a sprint race, but imagine what that would have done for his confidence. Sebastian Vettel would have been second. Valtteri Bottas would have been third and Sergio Perez would have been fourth. How exciting <laughs> would that have been? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's probably the only way that Lewis would be on pole this year. Lewis wouldn't get a benefit from the top 10 switch this weekend, though. He qualified 13th. Um, but I'm like, only it, joking, it, Lewis. Sorry, it, mate. It, it, it would have made... It, it, it. I think that's just the final step if they're going to commit to this I, I have no problem with them doing it I think especially like to improve the show to kind of get people more bang for their buck and also to let the 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 spot the, the tracks uh, organizers sell the tickets for a bit more they had two years of no fans they need to make the money back I have absolutely no problem with that at all I know Formula One is expensive but I, I, I have actually no problem with that whatsoever like if I was going I would if I was going to race this year I'd probably want to go to Austria or Imola because it's a sprint weekend I'm not going to Brazil but because it's a sprint weekend, it's just my money would go further. I get to see more action. But I think the last kind of nail in the coffin they need to make sprints really, really work is just commit to it. Flip the race. Yes, Max Verstappen and Charles Leclerc would start ninth and 10th. They might crash on lap one. That would be exciting because other people might might score points, but then it will have no bearing on Sunday. Max would still start first. And I think I think that's the the, the sprint setting the, the grid on Sunday. I think that's the, the huge thing that people just don't like. But if I'm going to give it a rating, I'd give it, if I'm just limiting the, the sprints to their own little thing, I'd give it a 7 out of 10 uh, as the sprint race. I think, you know, the best race last year would have got a 4 out of 10. So it was considerably better than the best sprint of last year. But uh, I hope Austria, Austria might be a bit better. More DRS, more opportunities to overtake. And these cars, I think the sprint race this weekend, sorry, did prove these cars work exactly as they were meant to. Yeah, They were following within two tenths of a second, half a second of each other, all through the lap consistently for the entire race. I think that was absolutely brilliant. Uh, the cars of Ross Brown must be just kicking back going, yep, told you, I knew what I was doing. <laughs> um, the man has done it again. He has just fixed Formula One. And I think that the sprint and the the, the, the race proved that. And I, I look forward to Austria. I think Austria could be a good one for the sprint. But again, reverse grid, reverse grid on Saturday should be how they do it. Okay. Well, I, I agree to a, to a certain extent that, that they should reverse that grid. It would just be, make it interesting. But I'm also kind of 50-50 on it because I think it's a little bit fake, but you know, I, I, it, it's... I, I agree. But if they're, if they're going to commit to doing sprints, then why not just go all out with it? Because at the yeah. moment, like Max Verstappen got maximum, got, got 10 more points, eight more points this weekend than he would have had there not been a sprint race. Yeah. But the, I agree with no, that. nobody else won any points, really gained anything, really, did they? No. Yeah. If you're going to go with the gimmick of a sprint race, then you might as well just go all out with it. Don't half ass it. And like, you know, like, yeah, we're going to do it, but we're only going to do half of it. Like, you know. Okay. Let's talk about the news then. We've, we've spoken about the Imola Grand Prix pretty conclusively, I think. It was a great weekend. I enjoyed it. Um, I hope we've shown you that we enjoyed it uh, as a team. Uh, the, the whole weekend at Emilia Romagna was superb. Uh, uh, we, we'd, we'd like to see it again. 
post haste. Um, next time, next race will be the race uh, in Miami. We're going to Miami. Yeah, we're all looking forward to that one, aren't we? Uh, no, nope. couple yeah. of nods. Yeah. Yeah. Fans aren't either because there won't be any. Two grandstands in a five-kilometer track yeah. is disgraceful. Mm. That's in a parking were, lot. <laughs> it's because they were charging so much for a seat, though. They, they were never going to fill those seats, were they? This to me is the most pathetically catch grabby race F1 have ever, ever, ever done. And I I don't, I already don't like it. The track looks as boring as the Vegas car park did. And I, I have no expectations for this other than, you know, Max will probably win it. And it'll be an extremely boring race. And the rich oligarchs in the paddock who won't even be watching the race might enjoy their day out with free champagne. I might be a bit cynical about this, but I really don't like the concept of this Miami Grand Prix. Vegas sounds cool. Miami, I don't like. Sean, don't hold back. Don't mince your words. Tell us how you really feel. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, we'll, we'll be previewing that anyway next week uh, on the next week pod. Um, let's talk about some news that's dropped or some rumours that have dropped uh, over the past few days, weeks, years. Um, Sophia, has anything popped up that you want to want to chat about today? I mean, I don't know full details, but I keep on seeing posts about driver swaps um mid-season rumors floating around with oscar piastri might go to williams um probably latifi because i mean as we know alex has been doing better than latifi and latifi is the new mazepin in my opinion (laughs) this year with um the amount of red flags and crashes that he does cause um but yeah like rumors circulating around saying that there might be a driver swap I mean, we've had conversations as a team figuring out who's going to swap for who, where is it going to go, who are the drivers. Um, but, I mean, it looks like it could be Piastri, but could be somewhere else. Um, that's the only real articles I've, I've been kind of seeing on my feed recently. Yeah, well, it, let's discuss it as a concept. I, I actually can see that possibly happening because there's, mm. be, there's got to come a point uh, that he's costing the team more than his dad's putting into the team you know because the, there's some of these wipeouts that he's had it cost cost the team a million pounds a shot and it, it, there's only so many races you can do that before you know the, the bank of dad is 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 not going to cover the bill uh sean you're nodding your head yeah i i think especially in the cost cap era the 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 idea of uh an out now pay driver coming in and, give, and essentially funding the whole team just to say afloat it's just not going to be a thing anymore. Like mm. the, the, the potential of scoring points is worth just so, so, so much more money. It always was. And I was always a firm believer of a good driver with no money is better than a bad driver with all the money. Yeah. Um, but nowadays in the, in the, in the cost cap era, especially when Doralton capital have, you know, they have their 145 million guaranteed through Doralton every single season. They don't need a pay driver anymore. They gave mm. the TV the benefit of the doubt, like I said, because you know, he had Russell. Let's see how he does without Russell as a benchmark. And he did score a few points. But uh, I, I can see this happening mid-season. And I think uh, I, I was extremely critical about just kind of Formula 1 in general of how a talent like Oscar Piastri just gets swept away. Callum Eilat's another one who absolutely did not deserve to be shifted off to IndyCar. Um, he he had the he has all the potential in the world, but uh, and his fight with Schumacher was fantastic. But Piastri is Piastri is oh, he, he is Charles Leclerc good. He is Max Verstappen good. I think stick him in a car. He is going to score points regularly, even in Williams. And I think he could be Renault's next champion if they get their car right. Like he he is that 
good. He, I can see this happening this year, not not next year. Alpine would want that to happen as well, wouldn't they? You know, they, it's, it's in car experience. They've already said that they'd be happy to loan him out. They'd be happy to do this, that, and the other to give him the because because they haven't got the the seats available. So, and there you go. So e- even at that, he would be a pay driver. Yeah. Alpine would have to pay Williams for him to have that seat. He might not be being coming like say I don't know the exact figures, but imagine the TV pays thirty million. Alpine might pay 10 million for Piastri to get that seat. Again, Williams don't need the money as much as they used to. So why would they not take a bitter talent who has much more proven success than the TV does at junior categories, who is touted by the people who know best that, you know, this kid is the real deal. Put him in the car. I I, th- I think it'll happen at the summer break at the very latest. I think it'll happen before that. Uh, Sponge, what what are your what's your take on the whole rumor of uh, Latifi Oscar Piastri swap? I, I agree with everything that you've said. In that it should happen probably before the summer break. The only thing that I think that stands in between Piastri and that drive is the fact that we're in, as with everybody, it's it's a new era, and teams notoriously like at least one of their drivers to be, you know. an experienced driver. Now, uh, you'd probably be able to get away with saying that Albon is, albeit the fact that he's come back into the sport after a little break, you know, that that would, you know, you'd probably be able to say, like, you know, he's he's still got the experience in F1. But, you know, like like I say, I I agree with you, like, that that it should happen. I don't think Latifi has done anything to suggest that he can get any more than just, what do they say, suboptimal? Uh, suboptimal results mm. from that car. I don't, I don't think there's anything to suggest that he's any he's got any any more claim to that seat than Piastri himself, to be honest. So yeah, I think now is the time to be honest to make that change. And I th- I think you I think just on the point of like experience, I think Albon's coming. In, like yes, I 100. You're right. Like a team would want a bit of stability, especially in a new era, new cars, new concepts, new kind of aero regs and all that sort of stuff. Um, and it made sense to keep Latifi on again for that, that reason for this season. But I think Albon's come in and, set, and just adapted to it so quickly, uh, yeah. which is good. I would imagine he had some time in Red Bull Simulator last year to at least get used to the idea of the new cars. Mm. Uh, so it wasn't brand spanking new to him. And he's come in and he's wiped the floor with with uh, Latifi to prove that, lads, I'm, I'm the real deal here. I come from the Red Bull team. Latifi comes from a billionaire in Toronto there's a big gulf in uh, not big gulf but there's a big difference in their their approach and their talent I think Renault would be happier for Piastri to up with someone like Albon who I think he can learn just more from uh, than he could I don't think he'd learn anything from the TV at all other than what the back of George Russell's car looked like okay well let's, get, let's go to another news article then it's interesting to, we, we should talk about W Series and the fact that that's going to be broadcast on Sky Sports F1 all the races mm. will be live uh, for the W Series, obviously starting in Miami, which is going to be a superb thing. You're still going to be able to get a free-to-view uh, version of that on your standard Channel 4. Uh, you get highlights there, uh, and you get the uh, the British Grand Prix live uh, for the W Series as well. I'm really looking forward to it. I'm actually going to uh, make sure I watch as many of the races as possible because I think they're, they're putting so much into it um, mm. that I think this year it's going to really take off. I'm, I'm really looking forward to, to all the races. Um yeah, go on then, Sean. Have you, have you got an opinion on the W series? Yeah, I think this was this was the natural next step for uh, you know the, this series to really be taken seriously. Uh, I think the the, the the last good step was putting it as an official sport series to Formula One, so it's at the same tracks. I thought obviously the natural progression of that is to put it on Sky Sports F1. Uh, they have the world feed, they have the you know their own feed and their own commentary is then 
rebroadcast to most countries. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that's huge. And e- even it'll just give the F1 commentators more free. And you've got like Naomi Schiff and stuff like that on the panel. She is going to just run with this is going to be brilliant because now that they have the rights to it she can talk about it every single time she's on camera and not just her but obviously all the, the pundits but obviously she she was in it yeah. um but i i think it's just it's just so good because it's a really properly good series of racing if you've never watched it please watch it it is just such good close proper wheel-to-wheel racing it's very exciting um and uh, Jamie Chadwick, friend of the show, is going for a third title in a row. Well, then, Sophia, give us a, a female perspective on this on the sport. Are you looking forward to it? Yeah, definitely. Because I watched it last season, but the issue was with Channel Four is there was no kind of priority. So if there was delays in the racing, it got taken away by the next show that was on Channel Four. So you would sometimes cut off a race by the feed because of the delay there's just no kind of incentive to have watch it and even the clips back and the highlights you weren't able to find them unless you like properly searched online to find the mm-hmm. w series highlights so it's it, it's needed the fact that we are now on sky sports sky f1 and everything because sky sports the main channel as well has been showing a lot of the f1 even f2 and f3 races if there's no football games which is a great promotion as well for not just f1 but f2 and f3 and looking at the drivers coming up into f1 and now that w series is going to be thrown in again like sean said with naomi like she's done an amazing job this season so far in the commentary i love her i think she's brilliant honestly she's fantastic in years she's absolutely phenomenal she's so so clear concise she knows that she knows exactly what she's talking about you understand what she's what she's describing how she's yeah, I, I'm, I'm very, very impressed with Naomi Schiff, and that's not mm-hmm. me being condescending. You know, I, I, just, no, I think she, she's she, genuinely she's she's one of the best pundits Sky have ever added to the panel. Yeah. She, she's she's a total, total credit to that whole team. She's brilliant. Breath of fresh air. Um, any driven Monday as well. The really good show. Recap. It's a really good show. Like I have it recorded on my Skybox all the time to watch it and relive some of these great races because it's so informative as well. And again, she is a great commentator. Her comments, her the way that we've said before, like the way that she's presented herself, the questions that she asks to the drivers and to other people um, within the F1 community is amazing. And it's what we need. Obviously we've touched about how W series is going to get more mainstream because of the Caitlyn Jenner um, team by, but now that we have the sky F1, that's even more of a push because then it's more channels, it's more reach. And that's what we need because there is no female driver in F1, F2 or F3. Like we've said before, Jamie should have been in F3. It's going to help, give traction and maybe even drive sponsors for these females to get into F3 and F2 mm-hmm. for sure. And it, it's definitely needed. And I'm really excited. I can't wait for Miami. You'd hope so. And even on that, like in terms of just like kind of more awareness around female racing drivers, obviously W series is great, but then like even in other categories, you've got Sophia Flourish, uh, who, um, but this week, last week, uh, finished P2 in LMP2. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which is performance by a female driver in endurance racing ever. Uh, that was a bloody good race. She is an extremely talented driver. She well deserves a spot in, at the very least, Formula 2 to like prove worth again. She struggled a bit in Formula 3. The team around her were not great. Uh, but she is very much proving that when, you know, 
people work alongside her and give her what she needs to succeed. She's extremely fast. And I think the the, the, the W series on Sky F1 is, is another kind of step in, in the right direction to just more awareness, um, more more people tuning in, more fans, which is what the sports need to, to grow. Absolutely. Uh, as I said, everyone should watch it. It's a great sporting series. Uh, I'm definitely going to be watching more of the race. I didn't watch every single race last year, but I definitely watched a handful of them uh, and I'm committing to watching them all because I, I really, really did enjoy the ones that I did see. And I think it's just going to get better and better uh, this year. Uh, and we go from strength to strength. I think that's pretty much all we need to talk about today uh, on the podcast. As I say, we'll be back next week uh, to preview uh, what we can about the Miami Grand Prix. Hopefully there's some news that drops in that time to so we've got other things to talk about because it's at the moment it's going to be quite slim on the ground for uh, Miami uh, chats. Um, but we will be there. Of, of course, you can find us on all our social platforms. Until then, uh, we are on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, uh, and of course, our website, www.everythingf1.com. And we would also love it if you did hit the subscribe button on your podcast streaming service uh, to get all of our latest podcasts in your earlobes as soon as they drop. Uh, I would like to say thank you to a couple of people that have uh, that have been commenting all over the place uh, on all our socials um, that, I, that we keep forgetting to do. And I want to make sure I do that now. The, per- the person that I want to give a shout out to is Spuds McCrazy. Now, I'm guessing that's not actually his real name, and I do apologise if it is, but I doubt it very much. <laughs> Spuds McCrazy, thank you very much for commenting on all the stuff that we do on Twitter. You're a, you're a legend, and I, I know you listen to the podcast as well, so thanks very much for being a fan of the page uh, on t- over there on Twitter. Uh, anyone else? There, was, there, there, are, there have been more. I've had an email, actually, um, that's worth uh, mentioning. Um, somebody wants me to tell them who does the start and end music to our podcast now i will have to apologize but we don't know the actual person that does it um because it was bought from a licensed um just a one of these web one of these websites that sells you sells you licensed music so sponge you were the person that bought the music do you remember who who wrote it for the for the gentleman that that keeps asking me and sending emails i I don't actually think there was a a credit on there i don't think there was a a name on there and i can't even remember where we got it from now to be honest (laughs) neither can (laughs) i that's how that's how useful i am to to you tonight sorry mate (laughs) so yeah so apologies we uh, we did get your email i did did get your email um via the via the the pit wall uh, email address um but unfortunately i couldn't find the name of the the person that composed it i'm sure he's got a lovely livery though (laughs) <laughs> you do love a livery don't you <laughs> thank you very much for listening at home uh this has been the everything f1 podcast my team have been sponge sean and sophia we have been the everything f1 podcast we will speak to you next week when we do preview the miami grand prix bye-bye everyone bye-bye. bye bye